Is it okay? It's in this page? Sometimes you want to... Oh, <laughs> not plugged in. You need to plug the... Um, where's the computer? Uh, where's the bag? You need to plug in the wire into... For the sound? Yeah, the sound. It's fine. I think this is it. Yeah. Whenever you're ready.
and you can see the website under events to register. And if you're new to our church, uh, we'd love to have you join us for lunch next Sunday and help connect you to other people in the church and learn more about us. So please RSVP to welcome.arlington um, at greatcommissioncc.org and let us know that you will be here. Um, Jared will now talk about some exciting pickup basketball at Marshall High School next week. Um, you may know him or his cute baby Theo. Please warmly welcome him to the stage. So, I have a few questions for you. Are you a certified book getter? Do you have an unlimited bag of crossovers, hezzies, and spin moves? Or are you simply looking to just get a good workout that's day three free and meet some other GCC goals? So, come out to GCC basketball. It's the third Sunday of every month at 1 p.m. at Marshall High School. Uh, our next session, as Ken Su was saying, is going to be this upcoming Sunday. The 17th. Uh, even if you have kids, or if you don't even really play basketball, there are is some space that you reserve in the indoor gym. So you can shoot it on the side hoops, you can just hang around, or just have some fun. Uh, if you're interested in coming out, uh, need a ride, or anything else, the best way to stay connected is to sign up to the GCCC website under the connection group for basketball. So feel free to talk to me, flag me after service if you're interested or want to learn any more information. Thank you, uh, next, we will um, we will have lunch on September 24th from 1 to 3 p.m. as we share about how our community is globally engaged um, and on mission. So this will be a great opportunity to learn more about our upcoming mission trips, partnerships, and ways to get engaged regularly. Um, and for that, please RSVP by September 20th. Um, okay, um, also we encourage you to pick up a fall events pamphlet um, at the welcome desk. Um, and this pamphlet will have all the events that are upcoming at the church. Uh, you can feel free to pick more than one um, if you want to pass it along to other people to invite to any events. Um, and finally, joining us today is Tammy Soy, uh, who works with a group called Global Gates. Um, and she is a very good friend. Um, and the group is a good friend to uh, people in the neighborhood and the community. Um, an explainer of Jesus to especially the Farsi-speaking people in the Tampa area. Um, GCCC has been a partner to her um, and her family for a number of years now, and we're very happy to have a chance to meet her in person um, and hear from her about her life and work. Good morning, everyone. Um, it's been a few years since I've uh, been here, I think, um, before the pandemic. I don't even recognize some of you. Um, so my name is Tammy, and as she said, my husband and I are local missionaries that GCCC supports, and uh, we are the hub leaders uh, for an organization called Global Gates. And what Global Gates, as an organization, as a missions organization does, is it reaches unreached people groups who have immigrated from their country 
countries, from their closed countries into open countries. So we, um, you know, we have people in Toronto working to reach um, Iranians and Arabs, and we have people in uh, people in Greece working with the uh, many Syrian refugees that are there. So we're like a diaspora ministry, and we work amongst immigrants who are from closed countries. And my husband and I oversee outreach to Central Asians and South Asians. And uh, we have a team that does that, and then we have a particular focus on people that are in So um, the church has been supporting us for over seven years, and I, we are just so grateful. We, in fact, your church reached out to us and was one of the first churches to start supporting us um, outside of our home church that we used to go to in Maryland. So I, I'm here to thank you, honestly, to let you have an update of what's been going on. And so since, um, since I was last year, a house church has gotten up and running of um, people from Iran and Afghanistan who profess faith in Jesus. And um, that's um, a largely, because of your guys' support, we've been able to, to do that and to reach out to them and to do Bible study with them and to see them grow in their faith. We also were able to uh, pass out a lot of food during the pandemic to the Afghan community who, um, because they were more recent comers, they were also the most affected when things like restaurants were either shutting down or were not um, at full capacity as far as work was concerned. And so um, we were part of that. We were teaching English in Afghan communities, and we were doing it outside. Um, we called it English Under the Tree, social distance, and uh, the kids could play, and the, uh, I, I was teaching the moms English. Um, but the, last year, your church supported an Afghan refugee who had worked with the U.S. government and who had been able to escape from Afghanistan. Not, not this past summer, but the summer before, your church um, GCCC supported him for five months while he got on his feet, got his um, his you know all of his paperwork to be able to work and get his resume out and all of that. And so I'm just grateful to you. So I'm um, here to say thank you. So thank you guys for um, and I'm just. I want you to see and know what your types and offerings go to, and I also want you to know that um, your church not only has supported us financially, but over the years through um, prayer and prayer meetings, and so we're really like incredibly thankful for your church. Um, one of the other things we do, though, is we go into churches and we train people, and we train people in how to reach people from some of these unreached countries that have immigrated here. Everyone here knows somebody who is from a country that is considered unreached, somebody who's from a country where they, if they had stayed in their country, they probably would have never heard the gospel. And so our, uh, we do something that we call a stay-at-home mission trip, and that's what this paper is all about, and that's what you have been out on the table. And what, is they, what this is, is we take three and a half days, just the way somebody would take time off of work to go halfway around the world to do a mission trip, we're asking you to take three and a half days out of your life to stay here, and in the mornings, we do training, and in the afternoons, we go out into the community. So it starts on a Wednesday night, which is October 11th, and then it runs all day, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And um, yeah, there's information there. There's a QR code for registration. You can't really see it, but um, if you, I have one here. There's some of these out there that you could like take a picture of and get more information, and it has like our um, website on it. So we would love to have you be a part of that and just get to a lot of times people are scared to share the gospel with somebody. They have a heart and it's like, oh, I'm just praying. So if you want some practical ways to share the gospel and be equipped, join us. So thank you. Thank you so much, Julie, for all the incredible work you're doing. Um, now we're
praise for the offering. Um, we don't collect it physically here, but we do collect the offering virtually, and we pray as a church over that part. Um, Father God, everything good we have comes from you. You are our provider. You are our generous and loving Father. Um, and what we give today is just a very small fraction of what you provided to us. God, multiply this for the glory of your kingdom. Um, let those of us who have more be more generous, be more trusting in you, be more willing to give. Um, in Jesus' name we pray. series. Um, we're calling it Biblical Worldview, uh, or Biblical Worldview, and we're going through Genesis, the first book of the Bible, Genesis 1 through 12. Um, when we talk about a Biblical Worldview, um, we're really, I think what we're trying to get at is like a, a uniquely Christian worldview, that is the way uh, Christians uniquely see the world, how we see ourselves, how we see God, and how we relate to God and connect to God. So we're looking at Genesis 1 today, um, but before we actually read it and go through it, I just want to put some points in front of us just to keep in mind as we go through it. Um, oh, we don't, we don't have to put that up right um, So we, um, so we have, just as we're looking through this, just some things I just want to keep in mind. So first, can we just keep in mind the purpose or intent of the passage? Um, so this is poetry, Genesis 1, that talks about a person, capital P, I guess, and the world that this person made and why life is meaningful. This passage is not part of a science textbook about the age of the earth, what gases were present when the earth was formed, how the sun and the moon interact, things like that. It's not fair to ask those kind of questions of Genesis 1, because Genesis 1 is not trying to answer those questions. It's not fair to ask those questions. It's just in the same way it wouldn't be fair to read a physics book and be like, how come this physics book doesn't give me answers to why life is meaningful? It's just not a fair question to ask, because that's not the kind of question they're trying to answer. Does that make sense? So let's just keep that in mind as we read this. You know, because reading the Bible, un, I would say this is an unfair reading of the Bible, unfair reading of Genesis 1, and I think it's a, an unfair kind of reading that has terrible consequences, because I think for a lot of people who don't have this in front of them when um, they talk about Genesis 1, there's often um, a feeling that you have to choose between believing the Bible or being committed to scientific knowledge. That's a false choice. I remember when I was in my 20s, there was this person I knew from the church that I pastored at that time. Um, he identified as a non-Christian, though he'd been part of the church for about a year. And we were talking one day, and he said, you know, I feel like, Carl, I feel like I know Christ, and I believe in Christ, but I just can't believe that the world was made in six days. So that's why I'm not a Christian. And in my head, I'm like, what? That's what this game, you know? Um, anyway, but that's, I don't think it's a very uncommon sort of uh, thing that happens. You know, the poetry of Genesis 1 doesn't obligate us to believe that the earth is a certain age, or there's a particular, that we have a particular view of dinosaurs, or galaxies, or a bunch of similar questions I think many of you have heard. Um, you know, this past spring, I was at Luray Caverns in Shenandoah, if you guys have been there. 
So it's a, well, actually, I was at sort of like an off-brand version of those. Uh, <laughs> uh, that was in It was amazing. Anyway, as we're going through, uh, the tour guide said, you know, tour guide is guiding us, and someone asked how old these rock formations are. And the tour guide said, well, they're old. They're, they're old, with like a wink. Um, because I think the tour guides are trained not to get into specific numbers. Because, um, you know, we're in the South still. And there's a lot of Christian Bible, but this is still fine. You know, being in Nova, like, this isn't the Bible, but no, it's not. But we're not far. You know, just like drive like an hour, maybe two, you know. And so, because there's a lot of Christians, and especially in certain areas, that have been taught that Genesis 1 is a science book. And so please excuse me being very forward at the outset here. Excuse my terseness here without like explaining a ton of it. Um, but I'm just going to assert here. As we begin, that this is not a fair way to read Genesis 1. You know, like, I genuinely respect how people are willing to stand up for their faith in the Bible, etc., face of whatever, but sometimes we're just misreading what the Bible calls us to have faith in. So hopefully this makes sense as we read the Bible, but if you have questions about this or are troubled by this, please email me. I would love to talk about the Bible with you. All right. Another thing to keep in mind, let's keep in mind where this came from, this Genesis 1, where this came from. This poetry is poetry whose first audience was an ancient people who had just left slavery in an ancient superpower's land and were wandering in an uninhabitable uninhabitable wilderness for 40 years, waiting to come into a land of their own, a land of rest and prosperity, a good land. It's their history and culture and language and genres and astronomy that this poetry is a part of. Okay, third thing, along with the purpose of the passage and the origin of the passage, let's keep in mind this. Another thing, the genre. It's not sci-fi, it's not K-drama, it's not a terrorist textbook, it's poetry, and it's like poetic, you know, it's stylized. We'll make notes of repetitions and structure and rhythm as we go, but if you read it like a science book, you might think, oh, this repetition is like boring, it's an old world, it's like a bad science book. No, it's poetry. It's closer to a song than it is to a textbook. Fourth thing, so origin, um, purpose, genre, and then last one, I just encourage us to feel the tone. It's serene, perhaps joyful. There's no like, tension, there's no angst. It's intended to feel that way. Everything's totally under control. Uh, I think I've said before, I like, as I study the Bible, I like to think of what would be a good soundtrack to this. It helps me kind of understand what the Bible kind of get at. And I think a good song for this passage. Like, it has to be, like, really steady, like, a steady rhythm, not a ton of movement, not a ton of, like, hey, just, just nice, you know, there. And I was thinking that, like, Harry Styles song, As It Was, because <laughs> uh, it's, like, I see that 80s synth, this, like, like, this, you know, just a totally serene beat, almost, um, that has a touch of sadness as well, you know? You guys know, it's not, like, in this world, it's not the same as it was, you know, it's, like, it has a touch of sadness, especially for us who live in a beautiful world that has very corrupted. Maybe that's appropriate. I don't know. Anyway, um, I don't know. Or maybe just like she's like Pharrell happy or something. And I'm just kind of like low key, but it's like steady. Or Ice Cube was a good day for older people. Anyway, no angst, just control, serenity, maybe even joy. So that's what we want to just go for. Just think about these things. Keep these things in mind as we read Genesis 1 and the first part of Genesis 2. The creation of hell. All right, so Genesis 1, starting in verse 1. I'm going to pray as we begin to read. God, this is uh, your word about yourself, and we're trying to understand this world, we're trying to understand ourselves, we're trying to understand you. 
Help us to do that. Speak as you desire to. Love as you desire to love. Strengthen, encourage, give hope as you desire to give. You Christ, we pray. Amen. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is poetry. God created the heavens and the earth. This is poetry. This is not literal, like, because you might, if you're reading it literally, you're like, what about everything in between the heaven and earth? No, it's just, it's relax. It's poetry. <laughs> poetry, you know? Uh, this is a poetic device where you say, like, I study day and night. It's like, really literally, relax. It's a, it's a poetic way of saying it's all times, right? Yeah, God created the heavens and the earth. Like, is there something? What about? It's another way of saying God made everything. In the beginning, this poetry, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. In Hebrew, in Hebrew it's this, uh, this rhyming pair, tohu vabohu, tohu and bohu. Um, here in the ESV that I'm reading from, it's translated without form and void. Uh, another translation of the New International Version says formless and empty. Biblical scholar named Robert Alter, I like his translation, welter and waste, because it has a little bit of that, you know, it's not rhyme, but the, uh, the uh, alliteration is really nice. Tohu and Bohu, basically uninhabitable. If you're trying to get a picture of it, think of if you've ever seen a movie like Mad Max, any of those Mad Max movies, this that's what it's like. Uninhabitable. Okay? It's not a real city or town. The earth was without form and void. Again, actually remember that who, who is receiving this word? The people who are wandering in the wilderness. Those four years, how would they describe the land they're wandering in? I think they would say, Tohu Vabohu. When you wait for a land that doesn't actually wander. And actually, later, God, through his prophets, when they stray from God, he, the prophets say, You know, if you keep going this way, your land is going to be Tohu Vabohu. This earth was without form and void, tohu and bohu, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Verse 3, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening. And there was morning, the first day. Just get into the rhythm of this. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven, there's the sky. And there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. And God said, just feel the rhythm of it, feel that structure. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth. And the waters that were gathered together, he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which there is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, 
the third day. This is going to take a break right there. So we have three days of creation in this poetic structure. Um, first day, there's light separated from darkness, like day and night. Again, it's poetry. That's like, wait, how could there, you know, it's, it's poetry. Light, day, day, night. And you can say that this is about time. It's about time. God created this creator, created time, seasons. Second day, there is like waters separated. So there's formation of arenas. There's formation of, of sky. And then there's, on the third day, there's uh, formation of like dry land and water, uh, seas, along with vegetation. So what we're seeing is a formation of our, like, of our like, setting. God, this creator, made time, made weather. Okay, just FYI, like, the expanse of the waters in the ancient world, ancient cosmology, was, it was understood that something like their version of the atmosphere had things to do with weather and climate, like water, okay? And then finally, like, there's food. Right, you actually notice, just a quick note, Genesis 8.22, uh, God makes a covenant with uh, Noah, so just skipping ahead here, um, and part of the promise is, uh, he says, while the earth remains, sea time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, shall not cease. It's the same pattern of Genesis 1. It's this time, weather, food, these are part of it. Verse 14, so let's get into this, the second set of three days. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. Let them be lights to the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there's evening. There's morning and fourth day. So remember in day one, it's like day and night, light and darkness is set up, time is set up. And, and then day four, what is put into that frame? Sun, moon, time markers to rule the, to rule the night, to give us time, to give us seasons. Day five, verse 20, God said, Let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the waters of the seas and let birds multiply in the earth. And there was evening and there was morning. The fifth day, what happens on day five? Day two's frame is filled. Filled and multiplied. Teeming with things. Verse 20, uh, 24, and God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image, human beings, mankind, humankind in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created, and you see we have a little mini poem within the poem. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God who created him, male and female who created them. 
Verse 28, and God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I've given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there's evening, and there's morning, the sixth day. So we see on day six, days, day three's frame is being filled. So days one to three are like a forming, and then day, days four to six are like a filling. And then the climax, I, I think arguably, especially in, in sort of the ancient uh, worldview, climax happens in the first few verses of chapter two. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. And as we read through that, there's a lot there. And again, this is poetry. It's highly symbolic. Uh, there's repetition, there's uh, figurative language, and so on. Um, I think it's, I think it's not, again, it's not like required of us to believe that, you know, all these were like six days in chronological order, 24-hour period. It's so, you know, very poetic. So I don't think you, it, I mean, it's possible that that's more interpretation, you know, that more okay interpretation, but we don't have to follow that, you know. Um, but I, I just want to point out, just, I just want to like, make four observations. Just four observations. We can make like 30, but I'm just going to make four today. And actually, we're going to be looking at Genesis 1 again for the next couple of Sundays. Okay? Um, but just for today, it's four observations. First observation a person made everything come into existence. A person did this. A person created everything. Not a force, not an AI. Not like a personification of the universe, but a person. A person like we are people, or perhaps we are people like this creator is a person. It matters that this creator is a person, that everything was made by a person. Not a force, not a, just a, like an interesting kind of energy, but a person. That's what this scripture tells us. Okay? I think there's a lot of things we can kind of go back and forth on, like hmm, maybe this, maybe that. I'm just trying to give us observations that are like pretty straightforward. I think we can all agree on this. The person that's behind all this like, is a person. The thing that's beyond, behind all this is a person. Second observation. This person, this creator, speaks. Okay, well, it's really interesting. Because Genesis 1, in the beginning of 2, you don't see the, this creator um, like the tools. You know? It's not like oh, you know, the creator took out like a giant hammer. You know, like, I don't know if you ever comic book, people who are into comic books, um, like, or are into comic books, like, you guys know Green Lantern? He's like one of my favorite kind of goofiest superhero, because, you know, he had this ring, and he could like make anything. Literally, he could make anything. Um, so it's like, oh man, like, we need, uh, I don't know, like, I, I need a bike. Like, like the ring would make a bike, you know. But anytime, but it was very like literal, like you know. So 
It's like, oh man, like we need to push up his back, like he makes this giant hammer. <laughs> like that's kind of something in my head, like Genesis 1. Oh, that is not the Green Lantern. He doesn't like make like a giant hammer, like a giant screwdriver. Or like there's this like giant IKEA set that appears, you know. It's like with those, you know, those little Allen wrenches, you know. It's it's just he speaks. This creature just speaks. That's how God makes everything. He just speaks. Let there be light. And there it was. Let there be a separation, and there it was. Let there be this vegetation, there it was. God speaks, this creator speaks. Really interesting, just real quick. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, it's a letter from Paul, the Apostle Paul, to this early church in the city of Corinth. And they're having these issues with um, what we would call like prophetic speech. Um, so people speaking in tongues and people like speaking like through the Holy Spirit, and there's some controversy and so on, and there's problems it was causing. And Paul says, you know, in, in a couple of chapters, he basically gives them guidelines. This is how you do it. Okay? He, he doesn't say, stop doing it. He said, this is how you do it. And the way he starts, this is like 1 Corinthians 12, 1, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 and 2, he says, you know, before you guys were Christians, and the people that he's talking to, they've only been Christians for maybe a few years, perhaps. And he's like, before you were Christians, you were religious, but you were religious in your devotion to idols. And what he says about the idols, they're mute. Before, you used to follow gods that couldn't speak. It's not like this. Because we have the Holy Spirit with us, and the, the perhaps distinctive thing about the Holy Spirit, different from all the other like, gods out there in that Roman world, this Spirit speaks. It's very consistent with Scripture, with the picture of God that we have here. It starts in Genesis 1. What is one very characteristic thing about this creator? This creator speaks. This creator speaks. I don't know if that makes the creator extrovert. It's just, I don't know about the personality type. Like, is it SPG or E? I don't even know the letters. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Like, E, I, something, something, feeling, perceiving, perceiving something. Um... I, I hate those, that's why I don't remember. <laughs> like, I don't want to be boxed in. Um, but anyway, but like, uh, this guy, like, I don't know his personality type, but this guy speaks. That's one thing we can be sure of as we read it Genesis 1. So I think we can be pretty clear about that. This creator speaks. How do we know anything about this creator? I mean, it's a common thing that we feel. Like, who are we to think that we know God? And, you know, and I think. A lot of Christians actually, our, our problem that we have to get over is like thinking we know more than we do. There's a lot we don't know. But what we do know, how, how do we know it? Like what we do affirm about God and about this world, how do we, about ourselves, how do we, because this creator speaks and reveals himself. Number three, third observation. It's a person that made everything. This person, this creator, speaks. And third, this creator sees things as good. Okay, that's a repetition. God saw it was good. And God saw it was good. And on day six or after day six, God saw it was very good. We can say that this creator is a person with feelings and opinions. It's very different from viewing uh, this creator as just like a force. Whereas some of this amorphous thing, it's a person that we're talking about, with feelings, with opinions. 
This creator sees things as good. You know, it's not just like, well, that's very interesting. But this person actually says, it is good. Sees it as very good. And then lastly, one final observation about this whole uh, passage. This creator, by virtue of how this creator made humankind, and by virtue of the fact that we even have this kind of writing that we understand is from God to us, this creator wants a connection to the creation. Okay, so these are just four very simple observations. There's a person that made everything. This person, this creator, speaks. This creator sees things as good, has feelings, opinions, and this creator wants a connection to the creation. So I'm just going to give us a few takeaways of some applications. You know, I know the sermon series, like I just said is a little while ago, is about, about worldview. And there is such a thing as a Christian worldview that's never separate in real life from what we do, from what we would say is a Christian spirituality or spiritual practice. It's not just how we think about the universe, it's about how we relate to this person who made the universe, our creator. So... But just thinking about it, especially those first three, I just want to offer some applications in, in terms of like our practice, our, our spirituality as a world. Like we're number one, like we're talking to the creator as a person, not a force when we talk to this creator. We're not like talking to the heavens. We're not like speaking just to the universe. We're speaking to a person like actually Jesus talked to this person. Um, made very famously, you might have heard of it, it's called the Lord's Prayer, and that's just a, a title for uh, a prayer that Jesus taught his followers. And the way this prayer starts is, our Father. And this is consistent throughout Jesus' life that we read about. He refers to his creator um, as a person. You know, for some people who are very open to spirituality, but are more used to a more like, impersonal kind of spirituality, like respect the universe and want to have some kind of positive connection to it, um, I imagine this kind of um, practice takes some getting used to, you know, where you're actually talking to a person. You know, like, I'm used to a spirituality where, like, we talk to a person, and, and when there's a prayer addressing, like, the universe, like, I feel, like, um, a, a little odd. Like, I feel like it's a little awkward. I feel like it's a, like, impersonal and distant. So I appreciate how odd it could feel going the opposite way, too. Um, and, and, you know, and I know for other people, too, it can be hard because it just, this whole idea, like, feels absurd. You know, like, how can we talk to the creator of everything and have a legitimate, like, dialogue? And uh, just to help us or to comfort us, like, the Bible knows it's absurd, too. And um, there's this passage, it's really interesting, um, it's a passage about, like, King Solomon of that ancient Jewish world. He makes his temple, like a home for God, like God's house. And um, he dedicates it. There's this big ceremony, like all the, the whole community is there. Um, and then uh, he prays. And he prays and he says, God, I know this is absurd. That's basically his prayer. Like, I know this is craziness because we're building this house, but you, like, are above the heavens. You are the one who made everything. How are you going to live as great as this temple is? Like, how how is that you live here? Because what, you know, that's the beginning of his prayer. 
But then this movement is like, I'm somehow, I guess this, this is how it is. And so if you're here, let me pray and so on. But, you know, just to encourage you that way, like, when you try to pray, pray, remember that we're praying for a person. Just try praying for a person if that's not what you're used to. Just try that. Pray to a person. You know, and, and then along with that, a second takeaway, a second application. Because we know from this passage that the Creator speaks and has spoken, we can expect that this Creator still speaks. Actually, this is part of this Creator's character. This Creator speaks. And when we pray, like when we commune, when we connect with this Creator, words are involved. They don't always have to be involved, but they often are. It's normal for words to be involved. It's a dialogue. This is like what we do actually on Sundays here. In our corporate, in our communal encounter with God, we would say it's like a dialogue. That's why we use words. That's why we combine prayer with like listening. Like we have this interplay with scripture, here's our prayer, here's the Bible, here's our prayer, here's the thing that we're going to say together, here's the thing we're going to say to each other, and so on. Um, this is what we do, and even when we're not together like this as a whole group, I just encourage you, try to combine prayer with like listening, combine prayer with Bible reading, pray with other people through whom the Bible speaks, through whom the Spirit speaks. And then the third takeaway, like, we know the Creator has opinions about things and sees things as good. That's why it was very good. So what do we talk about when we talk to the Creator? What do we talk about when we talk to the Creator? Well, we recognize that the Creator has feelings, that this Creator likes things. So one thing we can talk about are things that we know the Creator sees as good. Yeah, there are things that are horrible, but there are things that are good. So we can be thankful. You know, this is what we talk about all summer. Thank you. And we can also ask this creator, what do you see as good? And we can look for answers to that as we read this Bible. Like, how do you pray? How do you pray? And just, I think Genesis 1 gives us really great answers. Foundational answers to like, that question. Like, how do you pray? What's a functional, like, good spirituality? And what, as Christians, we would say is, it's a spirituality that treats God as a it's a spirituality that treats God as someone who speaks and treats our communion as a dialogue. It involves words, it's not just me talking. It's God talking to us. That's normal. And then finally, so a very distinct piece of our spirituality is just recognizing things as good. Recognizing things as good. You know, like, I think actually in our culture, Christians, um, one of many sort of negative characteristics that we have picked up, like, uh, like in terms of our public image, is like we are a bunch of people like bemoan everything all the time. You know, oh, well, this world, we're not at all. And then also some of us are like, oh, you see so great. Like, no, we're just kidding. Like, you know, like, let's get back to that dream, isn't it? You know, like, no, this is not like. Just, you know, it, it's just the world. But as much as we might 
recognize that they're a lamentable thing and they're a terrible thing. Part of our spirituality, gazing down this one, is there's so much good. And God sees things. There's so much that God sees as good. And we participate in it. We're thankful. We say, yeah, no, that's really good. That's really good. That was great. That was great. Thank you, God. God, did you see that? That was great. I saw it. That was great. You know, this thing in our life, that's great. Big things, small things. You know, the end of that war, that was great. You know, the dinner, we just sat. That was great. There's big and small. This is who God is. This is Genesis 1, His spiritual. We're thankful. We're people who are not just bemoaning it. We're people who are joyful. Amen? Amen. Um, we're just going to pray really briefly here. I'm just going to invite you to just pray along these lines. Just, I'll, I'll just give you sort of some words to say. Just first, to say, God, if you're comfortable with that, if you would say something like creator, person, capital P, you, I'm here recognizing that you are a person. You're here recognizing that you see things as good. You're here recognizing that you speak. And we're giving ourselves to these things. Speak to us. We know you. Be thankful for good things. Just using words like that, it's going to give us a moment. It's in your own way, and sort of your own version of those words. Connect to this creator. Uh, if you feel uncomfortable, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Let's give this a try. God, you create things with a person. You see things as good. Speak. Giving myself a You are boundless and infinite. We live in time, 
you live in China. We know so little, and we know everything. There is so much we cannot do, and there is so much beyond our control. You are in complete control. Creator of all, you were and you are. Creator of all, you are always Creator of all, you tell us you are perfect in power, perfect in justice, perfect in knowledge and goodness. Who of us would ever teach you justice and goodness? Who of us would explain power and the ways of the universe to you? Creator of all, you were and you are. Creator of all, there is no one like you among us. We are all so small before you in this huge universe, a universe that is spread out to you like a curtain over your window, like trees in your house. The strongest and wealthiest people and nations among us, you can make them into nothing. Our most impressive accomplishments can be like leaves in the fall, just blown away
So when you take this bread and you take this cup, you remember Jesus' death, this ultimate act of goodness. So I'm going to invite you, if you're a follower of Christ, I'm going to invite you to go to that side and that side of the room where there are elements. Um, as you can be just invited to just be humble and celebrate the goodness of our Creator. Just humble. Uh, but before we do that, we're just going to say this together. Um, for the last handful of months, we've been saying what we call um, the acclamation, or it's often called moral acclamations, like a one-line kind of thing or a three-line kind of thing. So we're going to go back for the fall to like a little bit longer version of that. Um, it's often called the Apostles' Creed. Um, it starts, I believe in God, the Father, and have that honor. Right, let's read that together. I believe in God, the Father, and the Creator, and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus Christ is the only Son of the Lord, who was the Holy Spirit, born of Virgin Mary, suffered on the Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. Thirdly, he rose again from the dead. Ascended to heaven and seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and dead. The Holy Christian Church, community, forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of a body. Amen. Kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall 
Oh, yeah. 
servants. He went to the servants. He's like, not the points. Yeah, I was just like, I'm so sorry. Hi, Tammy. Anyway, high five. Good job. You did great. You did great. No, you're a great teacher. No, um, you didn't move. You need a minute. Yeah, yeah, I need a minute. Just sorry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh